Well, hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Centerpoint Podcast. My name's Billy. And I'm Lowell. And we're here hanging out with you. And we are doing something special in this series of podcasts. We're talking about Passion Week. And that is the last week of Jesus, his earthly ministry, before he lays his life down to take it back up again on Sunday, which is why we celebrate Easter. So this is where we're at, and hopefully you'll you'll join with us and glean some understanding as we process through it and flesh out exactly what happened on Thursday evening and Friday of the last Friday of Jesus on the earth physically. We started on Sunday. That's been several days or weeks ago, depending upon how you are listening to this. Uh, we walked through the first five days, um, and now we've landed at Good Friday. Kind of strange, though, don't you think about it? It is weird if you think, why in the world do we call it Good Friday when in Jesus' life, nothing really good happened to him and I think, on that day. I think most of us have processed through that, you know, the Good Friday, strange name. I don't think that would strike any of our listeners as a new idea. But let me kind of come at it from a different angle, and I borrow this from Lee Strobel's work in Case for Christ. Um, he describes a group of people, a, a club, if you would. He said, imagine a club, and their whole uh, reason for their club's existence is to honor, admire, maybe even worship um, John Kennedy, the President of the United States. I was going to say what number he was, but I don't know the number <laughs> offhand to you. Um, it, one of the presidents, let's say that. Right. So, and you walk into this club meeting, and they're there, you know, maybe they're reviewing the teachings of John Kennedy, or they're, you know, something like that. And you look in the front of the room, they're all seated in chairs, all facing towards a stage, and there on the stage, behind the stage that is, hanging on the wall, is a replica of the rifle that Lee Harvey Oswald used to shoot John F. Kennedy in the head. Right, that would be very weird. You would think, I thought this was a group that admired JFK. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why are they honoring the instrument that was used by his killer. Hmm. So it's just, it was just, you know, well, we don't have a necklace around our neck that symbolizes the electric chair. You know, people don't wear one that has an electric chair dangling from it. We have the strangeness of a cross, which is very similar to what you're saying. Right, right. But the, the very instrument that was used to kill Jesus we hold up as a symbol that we appreciate and learn from and, and have a great sort of feelings of, uh, you know, just admiration mm -hmm. for what that represents. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want to focus on today. Today we've landed at Friday. We're going to start on Thursday evening and go into Friday morning. Um, and, and where we're headed today is the, the cross of Jesus. Um, and it is interesting that often Scripture does not talk so much. I mean, the death of Jesus is often referred to, but usually when, when the Scriptures re reference the death of Jesus, they say the crucifixion or the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's not just his death, but it is the, the instrument of death that is highlighted in Scripture. And if I were going to kind of summarize 
our talk for today, it would come out of the Gospel of John, um, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, and it says this, that Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And we're going to see that today, that Jesus is going to be rejected from one of the spectrum to the other, from Jew and by Jew and by Gentile, by follower and by enemy of Jesus, by, by those who have a great interest in what Jesus has been doing and by those who have no interest in what Jesus is doing, the world is going to reject Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that today laid out in the Gospels. So we got four events we're going to highlight. And this, walk... is, a, and this is a busy, this is a busy uh, sequence of events that happens. So we're going to do our best to try to navigate through it. Uh, we're obviously not going to get bogged down with certain things, but the highlighting or the main pieces that we, that we see would be him and his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, his betrayal and arrest and things that were going on that happened around that, the trials that he undertook, that he was a part of, and finally, the crucifixion of Christ. So we're going to try to hit those four things, and, and it's a lot. If you, if you were to count the number of verses that, that describe these things, it's probably uh, the, most, um, uh, the most significant section as far as the number of words used to, to, to describe any part of Jesus' life would be these last, say, maybe 12 hours. Um, There's a lot of detail given in Scripture. All four of the Gospels make an effort to describe different elements of this, and we're going to just kind of do a cursory flyover of this. Sure, sure. So if you pick up where we left off last time, we were in the Gospel of John, the Upper Room Discourse, and we looked at chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. But when you get to John 18, it says this. And this is where we left off, I believe. Um, when he had spoken these words, Jesus went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And so we know from, from the gospel account that this is a place that, that Jesus would often go with his disciples. They would retreat up here. They, this was a special place. I mean, Judas knew if, when, when Judas agreed to betray Jesus, he knew mm-hmm. where they would be. He sure did. He knew where their hangout spot was. And so here they are. This is, a, I think, a place... I mean, we've got to remember, Jesus loved these disciples. I mean, in a, in a, in a phileo friendship way, mm-hmm. okay? So this is a special place for him with these men mm-hmm. that he's been with. And um, so we're going to jump now to, to Luke passage and so uh, start us out there at Luke 22, Pastor Billy. I think we're at, what, verse 39, I think it is. Yeah, Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. And then this is where the pressure begins, and he is having a, a, such a, an intimate moment with the Lord. And uh, I'll, go ahead and re- I'll go ahead and finish reading. So it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found him asleep, exhausted from sorrow. 
Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then the crowd comes. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of things about this that just strike me, I just want to mention. First of all, the, the, the eyewitness um, effect that you have here. Luke, this is from the Gospel of Luke, and Luke tells us in the beginning that, that he gathered information from a lot of people. And in verse 41, it says that he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't describe something like that unless you are relaying an eyewitness witness account. Right, right. You know, and so so one of the disciples that were there that night have have relayed this information. Mm-hmm. Luke wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Luke's not one of the apostles um, that was with Jesus, but but he definitely has this eyewitness account and and talks about the another eyewitness aspect to it of these these drops of sweat that form on Jesus' skin, mixed with blood, just from the, the stress, the pressure, and it looks like he's sweating great drops of blood. Mm-hmm. That's known as, it's a clinical, it's a scientific uh, happening, it's called hematidrosis is what it is. It's where your capillaries begin to break down through the amount of chemicals that are released from the pressure that you're experiencing. So the capillaries, a little bits of capillaries start disintegrating a bit, and then your sweat actually has blood tinged with the sweat. And a couple things that happen is your blood pressure gets, gets pretty high, and huge headaches follow this. Hmm. And it also uh, heightens your skin because of that as well. So hmm. all this amount of pressure that Jesus was going through, uh, and it's interesting that Luke added that as well, and then gave us that, that small picture of the accuracy of what Jesus was was processing through. And, of course, Paul calls Luke a physician. And mm-hmm. so, um, interesting, he points those things out. But I think the thing that, that we want to see here is, remember, we were saying a theme is that Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. Mm-hmm. That even here in the Garden of Gethsemane, this special place for Jesus and his disciples, uh, they, in effect, abandoned him. I mean, we have Judas, yes, did. who's coming up over the hill and abandoning him. Judas, the keeper of the money bag. Judas, the one that was apparently most trusted among the disciples. And here he comes, betraying. But even the other 11, they didn't stand with him. No, no, no. When, the, when, the, when it happened, when he got arrested, you know, we have that Peter stands and he cuts the ear off this guy and, and Jesus says, no, 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 that's not, that's not that's not what we're here for. So not not his mission. No. That's that's Peter no. trying to move away from Jesus' so mission. In a split second, Peter seems as if he's standing up and staying with with Jesus, but when it all shakes out, everybody leaves Jesus. Yeah, he and I would say alone. Peter was not standing with Jesus. I mean, that was not that was not in the will of Jesus to mm. oh, you know, yeah. and Peter that's was That's a great point. Yeah, Peter was violating Peter was not being a friend to Jesus when he did that, hmm. because Jesus had told him that this was going to happen, right? and this was the will of God, and then all the disciples are, they're all falling asleep. He says, pray with me, and they don't, they don't do it, mm-hmm. you know, so, and we can, you know, I appreciate that Jesus is not angry with them. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't chastise them. He lovingly, and we can see it in the other gospels, mm-hmm. kind of encourages them to, to stay with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you go a little further, we'll move on to our next section, the betrayal and the arrest. And we'll just stay right here in the Luke Gospel. Um, So Luke says in verse 47, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, and Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, 
Lord, should we strike with the sword? And then there's that whole thing where Peter, you know, tries to defend, and Jesus mm-hmm. says, no more of this. Mm-hmm. No. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple of the elders who had come out against him, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. So here we, again we see, now we have, and it's going to really, it's going to um, increase after this, mm-hmm. but the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders, now they're betraying Jesus, doing it in the secrecy of the night, right. you know. The NIV says here at the end of verse 50, 53, it says, uh, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Hmm. It's very, it's a interesting uh, way to describe that. So, so not only and the so the other gospel accounts relay this a little more than Luke, but I mean Jesus is coming under extreme agony about the future, but he's mm-hmm. also in a battle with Satan at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, there's 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 a, there's a spiritual battle here going on, and I think that's what Jesus is talking about here—the power of darkness, this moment of darkness. How's the NIV say it? When the, darkness reigns. Yeah, I mean, it just so the theme is that Jesus is being rejected by all. We're seeing that on this Friday, mm-hmm. this Friday morning, everybody is rejecting Jesus from one end of the spectrum to the other. From mm-hmm. now, we have so we have within the twelve. We have Peter, who we admire as the leader, and Judas, who I think the disciples saw as the leader. They're both rejecting Jesus. And now the chief priests and the elders, and it's just rampant. Everybody is turning their mm-hmm. back on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we have that he has been betrayed by Judas, and we have him being arrested in Luke 22. So now begins a a crazy time where he is taken from place to place to place. I don't know how many times, how many times I do you think, think it was? I think it's six different things that are going to occur. He gets taken six different places, boom, 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 and they're just dragging him around, and this is what we would call the trials that he's undergoing, and it's in the middle of the middle night. Of the night. Middle of the night. That's not supposed to happen. No. According to Jewish custom and law, this is not, this whole thing is done wrong. I mean, if a lawyer was really there to defend Jesus, every bit of this would be thrown out of court mm-hmm. because they're not following even their own regulations. Many of them, they made up themselves, some of them coming out of the law, but they're not even following what they know to do because they are set on an absolute rejection of Jesus. They want to, the, the Jewish leaders want to kill him. And th- by golly, they're going to do it no matter what. They're going to accomplish their mission of taking him out. Their hate is ruling. So we have that the first thing he does is he's, he's brought to some, some guys uh, that are high priests. But before we get into all the trials, let's take a quick break and maybe take a moment and think about what Jesus must have felt in that moment when he was rested in the garden. We'll be right back. Okay, we're continuing to talk about Jesus and the last day, the Friday, where he is processed, where he's being processed to be crucified. And we've gone from the garden to the pressure that he went under to the betrayal and arrest and 
everyone that is close to him in the, in the garden has left him. And that's where we're at right now, and it begins the process of the trials. One of my favorite parables that Jesus uh, constructed, um, I don't really know of a common name for this parable, but it's the one where Jesus describes that there's this master who has a vineyard, and he hires people to work it, okay? And, and what happened was um, the, the tenants would take the people that he hired, and they would beat them up, and they would kill them, and they would stone them, and, and the master would send more workers there, and mm-hmm. they'd beat them up, and send more workers there, and they'd beat them up. They did this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And finally, the, ma- the, the owner of the vineyard, the master of the house, um, he says this, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son, because certainly they'll respect my son. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves... This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And it says that they did just that. They killed his son. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus told this parable. Um, it was right around, it was in this, near this final week, okay? And he was certainly alluding to the, what was going to happen uh, that we're looking at right now. And we're, we're in the middle of watching this happen mm-hmm. like real time. Right, right. You know, it's going on right now where we're at on this Friday. Um, so, yeah, there's six different, we'll call them trials, okay? I, I, that's almost a misnomer because... They're, they're not really trials. No, a kangaroo no, court is yeah, what it is. Yeah, there's no trial. There's no, there's no attorney. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no, you know, order of this process that's, that's respectable or anything. Um, but it starts out in, in John 18... When they first drag Jesus into Annas, the kind of outgoing high priest, um, what happens here in 1812, the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews. So we got the Romans and the Jews working together mm-hmm. now, okay? And they bring Jesus bound before Annas, who was, again, kind of like a he is a ruling party in the Sanhedrin, but he's on the way out. And soon after him is going to be Caiaphas, who's going right, to take over right. in his place. But we have, we have two different, we'll call them trials, that happened here. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not really much to them. I mean, basically, they just kind of tell him what's going on. John doesn't describe it very much, but they just quickly run through this process, and nobody, wants, nobody really wants to do anything with... They, they want to kill him, but right. they don't have the authority That's to That's exactly it. right. They, tr- yeah. they are trying to work the process in the moment of how, now that they've got him, what can they do to make it so they can kill him? Hmm. And so, as you said, they first went to Annas, who was the outgoing high priest, and he was a father-in-law of Caiaphas, and then he sent to Caiaphas. And with Caiaphas are all the scribes and the elders— Okay, so there's a whole... Well, not all of them. No, no, no. It's the middle... Remember, it's the middle of the night, and they're trying to gather people together. Mm -hmm. So they bring them to Caiaphas, and I think it's in Matthew 26. Yeah, and they're trying to gather up false testimony. They're bringing in false witnesses. They got these people that are coming forward, but when they tell stories, it doesn't really line up. They're sort of contradicting one another. The big thing is that Jesus said he would destroy the temple. Mm -hmm. When Jesus said that, 
We know he was talking about his body, that the temple would, that, that the temple would be destroyed, that his body would, you know, he would die and be resurrected. But they're using this clearly. I mean, how is one man going to destroy mm-hmm. the temple? If anything, they should have said, this guy is a lunatic. They should have, they should, you're going to destroy the temple, Jesus, you, the carpenter, the teacher, you're going to destroy the temple. But they wanted a reason to kill him, so they are using that as a, as a witness against him. And, um, you know, Jesus is, is just playing them. You know, he's, he's identifying who he is. In verse 64, Jesus said, I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And when the high priest heard this, he tore his robes. He's uttered blasphemy. He shouts out. What further testimony do we need? Mm-hmm. See, he doesn't want to depend upon a test. They need to have mm-hmm. a couple witnesses, but they're, vi- they're, they're contradicting one another. Right. If you do a study, we obviously don't have time, but if you really look at the trials, you can see so many holes, so many problems, so many things that they are doing in their view, truly illegally, to try to make this be a legal binding conviction of Jesus. So after this sort of midnight, you know, questioning, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, a, a, an illegal procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, the, you have a few more people, high-ranking uh, priests, when they're calling the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, a few more trickling in, a few more are trickling I, in. In my mind, I picture like somebody going and saying, hey, go get, you know, hey, go get exactly. Mike, wake him up, get him over here, and go yeah, get yeah, Charlie, yeah. and go get, I mean, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be their names, but, yeah. you know, go get, go get them. They're, they're probably sleeping in their house. Go get him and, and get mm-hmm. him in here. And they're trying to really gather up, if you would, a quorum. Mm-hmm. They want to have enough of the Sanhedrin that they can then appeal to the Roman authorities mm-hmm. to fulfill their will. So then, the and so that they actually do, mm-hmm. and then like early, early morning comes, and then they have the Sanhedrin, and then they bring down their conviction on Jesus. They bound him, twenty-seven Matthew. They mm-hmm. bound him and they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. See, they they don't have the ability to kill someone. Well, they can stone him if they are going against their the yeah, law. Yeah, their they law. can stone mm-hmm. them, but they don't want to stone them. I don't really know why. Yeah, I really that's a good question. That why, but they 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 could stone him, um, but you know they 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 want crucifixion, man. They mm-hmm. want they want Pilate and the Roman authorities to to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're there, and now he gets sent to Pilate, uh, and Pilate shows or they bring themselves to Pilate. But what's it say here? Um, I'm looking here in John 18. Verse 19, I believe. I'm trying to figure out the place where it says that they didn't want to go into the... Yeah, it's in 28. They led Jesus from the house Mm -hmm. of the Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. That's it. It was early morning. Just the hypocrisy of this, the sham. Just They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Yeah, they're, they're trying to... They're trying to make it so that they are 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 correct in everything, and yet they're they're being evil in everything. And it makes me think of Jesus calling them whitewashed tombs. Yeah, that's exactly they, what. That's they, exactly right. They yes. seem to be right on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't even want to step into Pilate's house 
because they wanted to make sure they could eat the Passover so that everyone could see them, that they'd be eating the Passover. No, they they don't even see their own duplicity. Mm-hmm. They don't even see it. And it's a pretty common trait of people in sin. Mm. It, it is. They often can't. It's why we need each other, honestly. I mean, it's a bit of a tangent, but it's the truth. Mm. We cannot see our, often our blind spots are the most damaging parts of our lives. Right. And the duplicity here is just is unbelievable. So that's Pilate the first time. Pilate, though... Ah, yeah, yeah. And then we have... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's morning. He's like, man, I haven't had my coffee yet. You know, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. It's true. Guys, understand, Pilate doesn't really want to even be there. We know from other historical records that this is... Like this, his last stop. Yeah, well, it's just, this is where you send somebody, honestly, that the Roman authorities, they send him there to really do him dirty, because there mm-hmm. is no bringing these Jewish people under any kind of control. The zealots are always there. You know, there's always problems. And quite honestly, you know, Pilate does not want to deal with these Jewish people. He, he, he's just ready to just wipe them out. And they're going to, in a few years, like maybe 30 years, the Romans are going to finally come and crush, the Emperor Tiberius is going to come and crush the Jewish people. But, you know, they, Pilate doesn't want to deal with this. So right. rather than deal with it, he passes the buck to, to Herod, to, to Herod. Herod, and it says here in Luke twenty-three, verse six. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. So we're in the midst of all these different places being dragged to. I don't know what I don't know which trial number this is. One, two, three, four. This might be the fifth one. This is the fifth mm-hmm. fifth trial. Early in the morning, middle of the night, early in the morning, and he's being sent to Herod. Yeah, you'll find that described in Luke twenty-three. Um, it's interesting. That's you got it there. Yeah, yes. I, ju- I just I had read Luke twenty three, that uh, verse six where he said he's Galilean, he's under Herod's jurisdiction, and he sends him off to Herod. Luke is the only one that records this little uh, moment in the the night of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and Herod who. He doesn't want to deal with it either. Yeah, it is funny, though, in the passage. He's like, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. So he, so <laughs> Herod had heard about Jesus, and he was his curiosity was piqued even in the early morning that to see this, this, this man that everyone was making a, a, a fuss about, and he asked him a series of questions. But when it, turns, when it comes down to it, what's Herod do? Nothing. Pass that, it off. He does absolutely nothing. He yeah. just said, well... You're going back to Pilate. Yeah. Now, it does say in verse 11 that Herod, with his soldiers, treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him, mm. and then arraying him in splendid clothing, they sent him back to Pilate. So, <clears throat> you know, they have, they, they're making fun of him. They're, they're ridiculing him. They wrap him in some kind of a garment, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a king, right? Well, here, let's put this on you. You know, and and it also says that after this, Herod and Pilate became friends. You know, they were <laughs> yeah, brought together. A mutual, yeah, a mutual uh, uh, point to be able to make fun of someone. So we have Herod, who sends him back to Pilate, and then we have in John eighteen, verse thirty-seven, we see that he comes back, and then Pilate says to him, "So you are a king?" Jesus answered. You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So then Pilate asks him a, a couple more questions. He says, I don't, this, I don't find any guilt in this guy. I don't find any guilt in this guy. 
But then he says there's a custom to release someone during the Passover. So Pilate's trying to appease the Jews as well. Mm -hmm. So then we have the point where he says, well, who do you want me to release? And they, they instead cry of, out for Barabbas. Instead of crying out for, for Jesus, they cry out for Barabbas. And remember our theme. The, the, whole, the whole thing we've been looking at is how Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So now we have likely some of the same faces that were there just, what, six days, five mm -hmm. days earlier, mm -hmm. who were throwing down the palms and the, the, you know, their coats and everything and saying Hosanna and all that. Likely some of those same faces are now crying out that Jesus would be crucified. Mm -hmm. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a heavy yeah. passage, you know. In John 19, um, Jesus says, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests now, who God is supposed to be their king, he is he, the king of glory, Another, yeah. right? Matthew, or Psalm 24. Yeah, yeah. That's their king. The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Can you believe that he would say that? Honestly, that is worthy of death in the, in the Jewish mindset, yeah. I would think. That's no different than what Jesus has been saying. Je they, they think Jesus is calling himself God, king. Right? Sure. And they want to kill him yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. They just called Caesar king. They just committed the same crime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're saying that Jesus is committing. But well, they're so wrapped up in their hate. Right. And, that, it, and that, it just goes to show that this is all a, an eternal sovereign plan that these people are being ruled by Satan mm -hmm. in this moment. And where, their hate. Where darkness reigns. Yeah. And they're just... They gave Satan a foothold Ooh. is what happened. They hated a little, mm -hmm. and Satan you know, added fuel to that fire. That could be another, that could be a totally another podcast yeah. on yeah. allowing Satan to have a foothold mm -hmm. when we have hate in our life, when we have other things in our life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So John 19, 16 says, So he delivered him over to them to be crucified, and they took Jesus. He went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, Golgotha. And they crucified him with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. And Pilate wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And of course, there was a little bit of an argument, but, but Pilate insisted, no, mm -hmm. that's what it's going to be. So now we have Jesus on the cross. It's, mm -hmm. We know um, that it was uh, about 9 a.m. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, 9 gongs of the clock, and then it happened. But this mm -hmm. was been about 9 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. um, and that's when Jesus was crucified on Friday. Um, I mean, what happened? Let's, what, what's, what, I mean, there's what a series there? of things yeah. that happened. Once it was, it was like releasing the hounds on Jesus, that he was, well, we know that he was mocked with, from Herod and his men, and then he was beaten, beaten to a pulp. That, think about that, beaten to a pulp. Unrecognizable. His, his skin was filleted open. He was hit in the face numerous times. Pieces of his beard were yanked out. A thorn, uh, this, this mocking 
crown of thorns placed on his head, blood, so he is unrecognizable, so weak he can't even carry his cross up to the place of the skull. In that, in, in, in that, in that of himself, of itself, is a testimony to how weak he was when he finally made it to the point where they did crucify him. They nailed his hands and his feet, and really it's not actually hands, it's in the wrist area, and they were experts at this, and they placed him on the cross, and just as you said, Pilate put that sign over his head, and there was a little bit of tussle there, but Pilate said, it's written as I've written it, and then we have darkness mm-hmm. that comes over the land. About noon. About noon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy time. Um, so there are several things that Jesus says from the cross. We mm-hmm. won't take the time to hit every one of those, but we do want to land on one of them because it kind of encapsulates our whole theme of this Friday, and that is that he came to his own, and his own did, did not receive him. Mm-hmm. So Matthew records in chapter 27, verses 45 and following, that about the sixth hour there was darkness over the whole land, and Jesus called out with a loud voice and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, and this is a quote from um, Psalm 22, 22. Mm-hmm. and and there the, the the crucifixion is described with amazing detail. It is. It is. If you think about this, you you appreciate the precision of our God. So He says, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani?" My God, My God, why are you forsaken me? He's not. He's calling that out. He's still calling those that are rejecting Him, rejected by all, that are standing there. To the to scripture. Now, why do you say so? You're saying that's him coming to his own. How is that him coming to his own? Because even though he's being rejected, he is still reaching out. He still has the love of God in him. And how is that love? Because when he says the the first phrase, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that's the first verse in Psalm 22. Back then, they didn't have Psalm 22, <laughs> Psalm 23, Psalm 24. They didn't have it, but what they did do, they had the Psalms, and they would memorize them completely, and it would trigger in their mind from the first line, it would trigger the rest of the Psalm. For God so loved the world that it gave a gun. Exactly John right. 3, exactly okay. right. Okay, all right. So if you remember the first line of a verse, then you can remember the, the, the rest of the verse. So if you read down in Psalm 22, as you just said, it's a description of crucifixion, what is happening at the moment. And what's even more amazing is that that uh, description of a, of a crucifixion in Psalm 22 happened, it was written 600 My years... bones are out of joint. Yeah, yeah, they're, all these they're things. They're all they're, around me. They're, they're, they're casting, bulls, casting they're, lots for my, uh, mm-hmm. for my clothing. Uh, all these things are happening, and it's hundreds of years before that moment... And yet, it's exactly playing out as Psalm twenty. So you're says. saying that when Jesus said that, um, he was he was offering grace that they would think, "Wait a minute, this is exactly, exactly. what I've been memorizing all my life." That's exactly. Maybe I should stop this. Maybe I should. Maybe he's something more than what I this thought. Is the Christ? He is the Messiah, mm-hmm. and he is calling them to himself, calling them to the Savior. Mm. But that didn't happen. No. And he gives up his spirit Mm -hmm. and dies. 
for us, for you, mm-hmm. for me. Once for all, mm-hmm. Peter says. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure am glad that it doesn't that we don't wrap up our week right there. Yeah. And, you know, you said the parable, you were talking about the parable of the tenants yeah. in Matthew 21, and we know that he was rejected by all. He was his own, received him not, and it's a, it's a great comment that Jesus references in Scripture in Matthew 21, verse 42, which says this, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And this is a moment where we look at the cross hanging on our neck, and we don't see something morbid like the gun of of Lee Harvey Oswald. We see it as a symbol of hope. Marvelous. A marvelous symbol of hope that we marvel at the sacrifice of Christ, even on a day that we call Good Friday. Mm. So thanks for listening to us, and and hopefully this has been encouragement to you. It's been encouragement to me, and I hope to you too, Lowell. And Definitely. this is something that, that we want to spend time focusing on, but something else is coming, and that's Sunday. Sunday's coming. So just remember that uh, thanks for listening to us again, and we're nothing fancy at Centerpoint, but we strive to be real just like Jesus is.